Hey guys, episode number 113, Janetta Maxana. She is a program manager at the city of Fort Lauderdale. If you need to pick me up today, this is the podcast for you. What a great example of a dedicated public servant who loves and cares about her city and brings truly joy and positive energy to her job. Uh, gives us some really good pointers on building a diverse workforce, uh, dealing with cultural and other issues within a, an organization, converting values into action. Really just a very, very positive person. Uh, really uplifted the podcast today. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Greetings, I'm Steve Van Cor, and this is the FCCMA Podcast, a service produced by and for the Florida City and County Management Association. As you know, if you've listened to the show, I'm your host. And every episode, we interview someone in local government who is willing and able to share interesting and useful insights into the operations of local government here in the Sunshine State. Now, point of interest, if you have someone you would like to nominate to be a guest on the show, you can either message FCCMA on Facebook, or you can send me an email at svancor at vancourtjones.com. Today's guest comes from the city of Fort Lauderdale. Her name is Janetta Maxena. And by the way, we we do a pre-interview. I'm already having so much fun. We're 20 minutes into the pre-interview because she is a delight to talk to. She is, you know, we this is, I think, episode number 112 or 113. I don't think we've any, had anybody like you, Janetta. Thank you so much, Steve. It's I mean, a it's, pleasure. It's kind of like an offshoot of HR, but you're a program manager. You work to prevent and remedy unlawful employment discrimination. You advance equal opportunity. But it also sounds like when the city manager has a special project and they don't know who to give it to, they're like, you're Mikey with the cereal commercial. Mikey will do it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Because, I mean, this is public service. I do it for the people. So, yeah, at times, city manager says, hey, Janetta, I have a special project. I want you to take on this. I'm always like, yeah, let me roll up my sleeves and, and get it done. So I think that some people know that um, on April 12th, of this year, um, our city, City of Fort Lauderdale, experienced a historic flood. Um, and we, our city hall is right now inoperable. Um, but our constituents, whom we call our neighbors, they had a need. Um, the, the, the roads were flooded. Uh, people lost some of their possessions. And the city manager asked me um, and, you know, members of my division to go out. Um, to our neighborhoods and, and get some information about what we call um, comfort sites. And so at these sites, there was water, there's food, um, you can get a shower, you can um, charge your, your your phones. So we we had that available um, and so wait, ready. Wait, after for the flooding, the city set up these comfort sites and yes. so your job was to evaluate how well they were working. Yes, you know, it, so, yes, to evaluate how they were working. And so we saw that we there weren't enough people coming in. So that's what I did. So I went uh, with with the team, my assistant, also our culture affairs director. Um, we went out door to door to get information out. And it, it sometimes it rained. It was hot. It didn't matter because what matters are the people that we serve. Did it work? Did you get people to come out? Yes. 
because people didn't know. And so this was an excellent opportunity to honestly to understand our neighborhoods a little bit better um, and to understand the needs of our people and why um, media or uh, whatever we're, we're putting out isn't getting to every single pocket uh, within our city. So going door to door, like opened my eyes to a lot and it gave us an opportunity to really just have deep conversations with the people who we um, we work for. <laughs> you know, it, it, what, what strikes me about that is there's two things. One, um, Fort Lauderdale is one of the largest cities in the state of Florida. And the general tone when I talk to city managers, assistant city managers of large cities versus small cities in small cities, you have more of an opportunity to touch your neighbors and to, to hear them one on one in big cities, you become part of a larger bureaucracy and I don't mean anything negative by that just the fact that you have 8500 employees you tend to be working. What I love about that is here's Fort Lauderdale, a big city, going door to door, neighbor to neighbor. Uh, it's both like something you'd hear about in Micanopy or uh, a two-egg or, or golf or one of those small cities. And it's pretty impressive that, that you guys did that. You know, the other thing that strikes me is um, I own a research firm. And one of my favorite job things that I do in my job is when we do focus groups. And what I love about that is I listen, I get, I get to talk to powerful people like Jeanette Maxena, who is the <laughs> program manager at city of the city of Fort Lauderdale. I get to talk to city managers, county administrators, lawmakers, talking to regular folks, um, you know, just like, you know, you're in your neighborhood, but about their concerns, about the worries in a concentrated fashion. Sounds like you got the same energy from learning from their people directly from individuals that I get from focus groups. Exactly. You know, I my work now is mostly internal. Now, it wasn't always like that. When I first came to the city of Fort Lauderdale, I worked in our neighbor support division, and that's doing a lot of community outreach and okay. being with yeah. the people. So now my job is mostly internal. Again, you know, investigating uh, claims of discrimination and helping people, you know, with ADA or reasonable accommodations, our employees, you know. But when my city manager gave me that opportunity to get back to the people and, and to get on the ground, I ran with it. I was excited um, to, to do that because that's, I mean, again, we at the city, that's that's what we do. And just that's what we love. Everybody here. So, again, I I was I was really excited to um, to be able to 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 help people and to make an impact. That's what oh, it's about. With that's me. really cool. <laughs> Talk to you about your work in employment discrimination and pro workplace problems. Not, uh, you know, part of my temptation is to talk about some of the cases, some of the examples. But I think what what our listeners would most benefit from, you know, I remember sitting down talking to a lawyer and she does labor law. And I thought, gee, what a boring area of law. <laughs> Until I started all. talking to her about, I said, oh, my gosh. If I could have another lifetime, I want to come back as a labor lawyer because the comedy of stupidity. Um, <laughs> but with that in mind, what are if, if I bet you a lot of your work is, gee, if somebody had only uh, if somebody had not. What are some of the things that cities can look to? Because, right, the best the best way to handle a crisis is to, to prevent the crisis in the first place. 
What steps should city governments, county governments be taking to avoid having a problem come to the desk of someone like Jeanette Maxena? Listen, we need training. Your, you know, exactly. Your executive leadership team, your department directors, they need training. Your assistant city managers need training, um, training on different areas, because guess what? The laws change. Like, there's a new law that's going to happen in five days, and it's called the Pregnant Workers Fairness Act, right? And so this expands reasonable accommodations for pregnant workers and nursing mothers. So cities got to get ready for it, because right now the city policy says that pregnancy isn't a protected characteristic. So you got to change that. So, you know, cities got to adapt and be flexible all the time. So that's one of the things I do when there's a new law that's coming. I have to get to my city manager. I got to let him know. And also our executive leadership team. Um, And so here um, I'm trying to put together a new program and I'm calling it the Values Project. So at the city of Fort Lauderdale, we have um, a set of values integrity, compassion, accountability, respect, and excellence. Let me and guess, so I cares. I, I can, we're trying not to say I care because someone else has it, but yes, we we, we have that, that very similar uh, value. There's always an acronym. There's always an acronym. <laughs> that acronym, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this is, we're going to start with the executive leadership team. At least I'm hoping, right? And so I'm going to go in, train, and facilitate each uh, value. We're going to start with integrity, you know, and show our executive leadership team what does integrity look like. Yeah, what does it mean? Place. What does it mean? What does it look like? We all have integrity. We walk around exactly. with a lot of integrity, but what does that mean? Exactly. And yeah, it means honesty and always always doing the right thing, even when you're faced with, you know, a dilemma of what feels good and what's not. So we're going to, you know, we're going to start with that integrity. Um, I'll go in and train the executive leadership team. It'll be engaging. It won't be long. It won't be this long, drawn out. Four hours on integrity. Four hours. No, we're going to go in. We're going to do it within a half an hour time frame. Everybody is going to have an action plan and leave with, you know, uh, like from, from our childhood homework. And that is just going back, taking it to your staff and then coming back at another um at another leadership team meeting and saying what you are doing you and your staff are doing to show that that value of integrity or respect so so let's focus on integrity for a second the i and yes. the i care so you're training them to how they manage to act with integrity yes um and then how to train their staff on how to also do likewise you know, we we interviewed Sam Silverstein, and he's he's all about this, right? Mm-hmm. And he, you know, he's a professional expert. He's not a city manager. He he was like a keynote speaker at the FCCMA conference, and he said you have to learn to live those values. You can't just have the values, put them up on the wall, make a pretty poster. I You've got to live those values, and so you got to teach the values. You got to teach how to execute those values. And and Jeanette, there's always a trade off, right? And when I see 
picking values, like picking your priorities. Mm -hmm. uh, if you pick one from column A, you can't have one from column B. Can you give me an example of some of the challenges with integrity? I mean, it's nice to sit here and say, always be honest. Well, it's not always that easy, right? Mm -hmm. uh, what are some of the examples you use or case studies you talk about on that, that, that demonstrate how to act with integrity? Well, well, this is the thing. I, I love real life and, and what what has happened, you know, right here at our city or across cities across the country. So I, I, I want to be honest. I, I sometimes because of what I do with equal employment opportunity and and reasonable accommodations, I, I get a complaint or I, or I get an email and I'm like, you know, what what is our our own employee? thinking <laughs> why why would you think that it's okay to do that when we're talking about integrity and we're trying to move the city forward and I think that at times people are so focused on um a policy or a procedure and we have to do this rather than just really looking into that value but uh, again we're going to use real life, examples of a person faced with that integrity or that ethical dilemma and what that person did and what that person should have done. Can you give me an example now? Um, okay. I don't want to put you on the spot. And no, no, no. So, so a part of the training, in the training, there's an example of um, an employee, um, and this is not an employee at our city, this is just an example of something that has happened. Um, at another organization. And so this employee witnessed um, his work friends talking negatively about a female engineer. Um, and so he wanted to, to go and he wanted to show them because he wasn't okay with what they were saying. And he wrote something very mean on a mug and he gave it to him. And he's like, yeah, here, here you are, right? So. There's that's a so yes he's obviously a really principled person but it was how he did it and the manner in which he did it we don't humiliate people that so, doesn't so show the value he saw, of he saw a wrong in the workplace intended to do the right thing by yes. working to correct that wrong but what exactly. you're trying to do is teach them there's a right way to correct someone else's behavior and listen it doesn't all have to be reported upstream to the to the program manager who <laughs> You can Although it should, please yeah. reach out. Please reach out. <laughs> and, and maybe if no, for no other reason, having this position to reach out and say, let me let me tell you how you can handle this. And it's yes, not exactly. to publicly embarrass the person, but maybe to sit down one-on-one -on -one and say, you know, it's funny. I remember a very long time ago, mm -hmm. I went to a business lunch and we went to Hooters. Uh, this was nine, probably 1992. So the statute of limitations on stupidity is run. I admit that. And a coworker sat down with me very kindly said, I'm offended. Well, I know what I had. I submitted the receipt to my administrative assistant. Mm -hmm. And uh, she said, you went to Hooters? I'm like, yeah. She goes, well, and she closed the door. She said, I, I will tell you, um, this is offensive to me. Uh, I find the place to be, I, I'm not picking on Hooters using example. Yeah. Uh, I find this to be, you know, not an appropriate place to take someone for lunch. Mm -hmm. I was all of uh, what, 31. <laughs> I was like, what? Why would this be? You know, mm -hmm. I just recently on my 20. And she explained her thoughts to me very respectfully. And honestly, I've never been back. 
but um, she handled it the right way. Yes. Um, I made an inappropriate joke one time, um, and the coworker came in and quietly sat down. This woman who walks over held my hand. She was much older than me. And she said, "Son," and I was actually the boss. And she said, yes. "Son, please don't ever make those kind of jokes. They're really embarrassing and insulting." And I love the way that person had I profusely apologized. I didn't understand it. So your point is is a good one that we can take corrective action, but you have to do it respectfully to the other person and not respectfully with integrity. And also you don't want to do anything where your job is putting it on the line. Um, so that's, that's important, but I like something you said, Steve, where, um, you talked about how you don't want to end up, you know, as a case or, or, or a complaint with Janetta Maxena. So this is, this is the thing here at the city. I feel that the Professional Standards Division, who who was previously called OPS, Office of Professional Standards, um, is seen as like the get in trouble office. And so I don't want that um, going forward. I want to be a resource for our employees. If a supervisor is having an issue with their employees and you're just like, I don't know what to do with that please bring that to professional standards. And so to, you know, to, to the folks who are living, who are listening out there, you know, if your city has a, a, a um, division like mine, like professional standards, or maybe you just have an HR office, use your HR or your professional standards or your equal op- opportunity office um, as a resource um, for finding solutions to your everyday work problems. We are here for you. So I like what I like about that is the, gee, if I call Janetta, I've got to <laughs> file a formal complaint. We've escalated this thing. And now there could be, you know, permanent consequences to this person. I just want them to stop you eating my lunch. <laughs> I just mm-hmm. want them to stop um, not washing their dishes. And so what you're saying is you're there and available if somebody is, hey, I think I'm being bullied by somebody. How do I manage that before filing? So you're saying before filing a formal complaint. Yes, come to of, you, of course. Come to the HR director, try to work out a solution without escalating or or formalizing the complaint. Of course. You know, come and, and see what you can indeed do. Honestly, 15 minutes before uh, this podcast, that is exactly what I was doing. I was on the phone with an employee who needed some help. Um, so, so, you know, that's what I do. And I, I really enjoy being that resource. That's why I'm here. And, and the, the I care values, um, yes. the, your, your job is to try to, to build a cup, build a culture within city hall where people live those values. I love that you said culture. That, that is what I'm doing. I'm trying to, to, to work to like build this inclusive culture where we are centered on our values, our city values. And then we are living it and doing that like every day, like in our work, in our policies, in our programs, we are showing our integrity, our compassion and and all of those values. They're not just we're not just doing it in our day to day, but it's also seen. Here, here's a policy that that shows our eye care. That this is our our new program that shows our eye care. So that's important as well. Do you so walk through the values again? I is integrity, compassion, accountability, accountability, respect, 
and excellence. And excellence. And what I struggle with on these these kind of values things is they 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 run the risk of being the inspirational poster in the conference room that is largely ignored. Uh, they run the risk of just being out there and being said, and then people go about their business anyway. How do you, because because you're right, the the I care, the, the, the five different values are part of a larger concept called culture, the culture of the office, which embodies those five values. First question is, how did you guys come up with those being the values? And how do you... How do you create the culture? How do you inf in, infuse these values into the everyday workforce? You know, is it enforcement? Is it encouragement? Is it training? What are the steps you take to make sure everybody in that organization, to the maximum extent practicable, is living and, and executing those values? Okay. So that acronym of I Care has been at the city of Fort Lauderdale for a few years, like some years, you know. Um, and honestly, up until recently, I wasn't even thinking about the acronym. So I got to give a, a, a shout out to, to our current city manager, and that's Greg Shabaria. And he is really driving this values discussion because um, he, he's a relatively new city manager. He became city manager in July. Um, he was the ACM for a few years before and then became city manager last July. And so now he's really, he's he stepped into this role and he's building organizational culture and he's doing it through the value system. So he's really driving it and pushing it forward. Before him, I wasn't, I, I saw it every now and then, like you said, a poster, um, but I didn't really think about it like that. We, we, you know, we, we have it in our email um, signatures, but honestly, I didn't. But now because I'm under his leadership and he's pushing it and he believes so much into it, like he's really passionate about those values, has really um, shaped the way I view the values. And now I want to I want to uh, present that. I want to train our employees. I want to ensure that I'm leading by those values. And I can tell you it starts at the top. And, yeah. and and if yeah if 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 my city manager wasn't driving it the way that he is, I probably wouldn't be thinking about it. So yeah, so if you know a report is filed late and there's a lot of punishment for the report being filed late, and then the city manager says to the employee, "Don't worry about it. Just change the date. And we'll get it in and make it look like it was there." They're violating the eye, right? That's acting without integrity. Exactly. But that city manager demonstrates as well, we made a mistake. We need to own our mistakes. We need to be honest about them and deal with integrity. I will walk this into the mayor and say, uh, Mayor Trentalis, I really screwed up. We missed mm -hmm. the deadline on this and I'm sorry. And here's what we're doing to fix it. That's how you lead by example of acting with integrity. Um but again, I want to I want to challenge you on this. So you have these values; they're posted on the elevator. So we so first step one is awareness, right? By posting them everywhere, putting them on the emails, putting them in the elevators, putting them in the conference rooms. But how do you convert? How do you convert from words on a paper to action? And you you've already identified one thing: we do extensive mm -hmm. training and repeated yeah. training to show people real life examples how to live and act within the values. What else is there? Enforcement to that? Is there 
if somebody acts outside the boundaries, is there a process for saying, look, you didn't show it compassion to this this consumer mm-hmm. or when that bus broke down, you you know, you went home early because, you know, that that wasn't excellent service. How do you how do you convert from I care to action? I think we're still in a process of finding that out together and finding solutions. We have another meeting in July. Like this is a big thing here at the city. So we're, you know, the executive leadership team, we're gonna all get together and really discuss how how can we push this forward at the city and, and ensure that every employee from top to bottom are displaying, you know, their I care or their their the city's values. But I, I think that training is a large component and, and it's very important that we do that. And I'm not going to just um, start and stop at the executive leadership team. Again, we're going to go once we do that. Then it'll be the middle managers and the supervisors. It'll it'll be our administrative staff. Like it will continue. This is something that you can't stop. You can't like start it and then stop after six months. This is the way that we're going to change and make better our organizational culture. And we're passionate about it. And we're gonna. It's gonna take some time, but we're willing to kind of drive it. it. It doesn't matter how much time it's going to take. We're going to do it. You know, um, and, and it's important. hard because when you have a large organization, um, how many employees does the city of Fort Lauderdale? Around 2,800 employees. 2,800 employees. So converting that to 2,800 people, I wonder if programs like once a month or-ish, if an employee acts with integrity or compassion and, mm-hmm. and does goes above and beyond, you send an all-office email. We Today, we want to recognize Steve Van Core because exactly. Steve Van Core you know, was caught helping a, an older woman across the street to help pay her utility bill. This is a great example of compassion. Mm-hmm. We all want you to live your our values. Let me remind you what these values are. So you're not just training, but reminding people of the, um, mm-hmm. uh, the values that are out there. And, exactly. and because the values are otherwise useless if they're not put in practice. Right. Mm-hmm. Says, These are our values, but you know, great. Let's go back to work and, and do stuff that matters. Um, and and I presume the values were created as a way to create an environment of superior public service. Exactly. So and you mentioned uh so the training will 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 like recommend uh you know start with our department directors and recommend they recognize uh, or give kudos to staff or employees that are going above and beyond and 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 um, embodying that those values. Um, so that's that's most certainly a, a part of it, you know, recognizing our employees that are doing that. And we've started. Um, so so we we do um, we do town hall, you know, kind of like a city hall town hall for for, for our employees and um you know, folks who are teams that are going above and beyond and are um, exemplifying those um, those um, qualities of I care, we definitely highlight. So everyone gets a chance to see it, see what people are doing, how what what it looks like. Um, so so we're we're definitely working towards that. Okay, thank you. So I want to shift gears with you a little bit because part of your job is to. Um, encourage equity, diversity in the workplace, um, as well as to manage and handle um, problems in, you know, personnel problems in the workplace. I got to believe at some level, this is probably the most difficult time to be in that position. We have 
Um, uh, the advent of social media has created these silos uh, and people having different values. We, we're losing as a culture, our shared culture, our shared narratives. Um, so people have different values and expectations in a workplace. Um, what kind of challenges are you finding in the workplace for getting people to get along? Right? As you know, post-pandemic, you heard about the isolation and people coming back, not not figuring out how to get along. What kind of challenges and problems are you seeing in the workplace now, and how are you guys dealing with that? I mean, um, for for a long time, you know, City Hall was siloed. We're all on different floors. We're not uh, all communicating. And um, we weren't expecting this this disaster to happen, but now we don't. We, we our city hall is inoperable, and so most of you know a lot of our staff who were working in city hall are now hybrid or remote. Um, so we are learning new ways to engage um, our team, and people are stepping up to the plate. And really doing a good job of of keeping in contact with each other, of communicating, of collaborating, using um, and and because COVID, because the pandemic happened already, we kind of already know, you know, the steps to, work to from take. Home, exactly, to work yeah. we know how to work remotely. We've done it before, um, so people are are productive. Services has never stopped here at the city of Fort Lauderdale. So, um, and 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 the same thing, you know, our values, our culture, everything will continue and to push forward, even though we're met, we're met with these sort of challenges. So for those other city halls that haven't been flooded, how are you guys managing that? Is it is it everybody's got a laptop working from home, everybody's on Zoom, Teams, whatever? How, how are you guys dealing with some of the just the logistics of um, not being able to go show up at your office? We're doing it well. So so when I say hybrid, um, some of our larger departments, um, they they're breaking it up in divisions and coming um, into we do have some office space. And then, you know, Tuesday and Thursdays, one division will have an office space to collaborate and get some work done. And then Mondays and Wednesdays, another division will come in and kind of collaborate and get it done. So we're working and uh, we're doing a pretty good job. Um, and again, you know, just because we understand how um, to to work collaboratively in a virtual environment from because of the pandemic from years ago, we're able to do it now. And that doesn't mean it's, it's it doesn't. Yeah, if this had happened ten years challenges. ago, if this had happened ten years ago, you'd be in a real crisis, right? Yes. But now you can have Zoom calls. You can have whatever technology yes. you're using. Uh, to me, Zoom has become the saran wrap of you know we use it, it as a generic. But these online uh, meetings, you can have them now if people are having to work remote because their office got uh, burned out. But the pandemic certainly left behind a, a positive legacy of using new technologies to, to look this podcast you're in Fort Lauderdale right now I'm in Tallahassee that's true we could not have had this podcast well yeah 20 years ago they didn't have podcasts 10 years ago they did but we wouldn't have been able to record it like we'd have to be in the same studio together or there was a kind of a funky way to do it but it's so easy we use zoom boom 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 we're done sounds mm -hmm. great you've got a mic I've got a, my mic and my setup, the recording yes. setup here, so it works out pretty well. Um, have, have, it's interesting. 
you, one of the things you said in our pre-interview was like you deal with bullying situations. If someone's bullying somebody else, I want to touch on that. But I got to believe some of those things have declined since people aren't in the same office together, or has it not? I can't say for certain that it has declined, but what I can say is one of the other things that I do here at the city are exit interviews, right? So exit, we have like an exit interview questionnaire that we we send out, and then I also get. Um, termed employees. So that means employees who leave voluntarily or uh, involuntarily, um, I get their, whoever leaves the city, I get their information. I can tell you since the flood, uh, the number of termed employees has decreased a lot. Interesting. So that, because yeah. of the lack of friction, you think, why do you think that is? I I I don't I have this is something that I have to further analyze, but I'm guessing that is people are valuing just what we have here because we came so close to to losing that, and like we all because we're public service individuals we want to push forward and we want to help each other and and we want what's better and everybody is on pins and needles about how you know the opportunity of what the city of Fort Lauderdale can be since this has happened and so we're more so excited to to come to work and get it done whether we're doing it virtually or not but I can tell you yeah I, I I see those numbers and I've been looking at it and and trying to analyze the reasons but we are better uh, we are better. We were doing better with retention and retaining employees. Interesting and ironic. You would think a, a it would be a higher value to have a place to go to work, but now maybe people can do a little bit better at home care if a kid's sick. They don't have to miss a day at the office. They might have to miss a few hours here or there. But sometimes a lack of interaction could be a good thing. Have you seen any trends in the last few years in the workplace that is either positive or troubling? So in the in the last few years, we've seen some called the silver tsunami, right? Where we have a large number of people retiring. And so it's called a loss. We, we, you know, people talk about it all the time, a loss of institutional knowledge. And that's actually how I got my job. Um, someone retired. And um, I someone, you know, the city manager reached out and asked me um, um, to, to, to step into this, this new leadership role. And I think that's what we as the next generation, because I still consider myself an up and comer, um, kind of have to do. And we have to prepare ourselves. And then we have to, because of so much loss and, and, and so many people leaving, we have to step into these leadership roles um, and prepare ourselves because it's time. And we have the skills. We're, we're ready. Now, we, we may not have... Um, as much experience, but I can tell you as um, a, a emerging leader or or an up and comer, I've been able to step into this role and to do a good job. And why? Because my because my my boss believed in me. Because somebody <laughs> gave me a chance. <laughs> so, give me some pointers on how to build a better, uh, a more diverse workforce. Um, now. I will say this. I think it's probably easier in a place like Broward County because you have a diverse population. Um, I I regularly, people who listen to this podcast know I believe that 
I think it's factual that Broward has the most diverse population of any county in the state. Um, you know, to, to yourself, you got, Miami, you got Miami Dade, but it's the Hispanic population there is largely Cuban and has historically been. You cannot say that about Broward. The Hispanic population is Caribbean, South American, Central American, Puerto Rican, you know, uh, mm-hmm. wide, wide Mexican, wide variety. And then you got everything else. Uh, everything from New Yorkers to Ohioans you know, <laughs> to and and Palm Beach is ethnically diverse, but not as much as Broward. And mm-hmm. uh, but of all the counties, I think Broward is 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 top dog when it comes to that. So, but give us some pointers on hiring to to make sure you have a, a diverse workforce when at least represents the public that you're serving. Well, I, I always say you have to meet the people where they are. So if you're going to hold, let's let's say, for example, if you're going to hold a job fair, you can't just hold a job fair in one stagnant area that only the affluent or, or, or only people of, of a wealth or, or a certain ethnic background go to. You have to go to each district and each neighborhood and the schools and you have to work. And that's a that's very important um, for municipalities. Please work with the universities in your municipalities to better uh, recruit um, people. Because there are recent graduates, especially recent graduates of MPA programs. Shout out to University of Central Florida, go Knights. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Who, and and these people are just waiting to get their door, to get their foot in the door to local government. They have skills. Um, I was a, a former public school teacher. So a lot of those. What grade, skills, what grade did you teach? 10th grade, world okay. history. Oh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And um, those skills are transferable. So sometimes so you, 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 you never know who, who you can recruit to come into local government and do an excellent job. So there are people, there are teachers, there are people who work in the private sector who who have a, uh, a finance background or HR background. They can definitely come into to public service and work. So make sure you have a wide variety of options. And also, there's other places that you can um, you can you can do your recruiting or your recruiting through. There's, you know, um, recruiting um, through for Spanish speakers, saludos. Um, there's the League of Women in Government who has, um, who posts job, you know, job vacancies. So you can work okay, with so, so organizations so, like that. So it's a couple of things I want to restate. One, you have to have intentionality. You can't just hope it happens. Two, go to where the different population sectors are. You can't just have it. Hey, City Hall is going to be open this weekend, job fair. Everybody come to us. You got to go to them. Go to so, them. We, so what's interesting is we had another guest talk about this very issue. Uh, uh, Bill Horn, a rest in peace. He was a city manager of Clearwater for many years. It was his, it was his calling. And he said, you need to make sure when, um, uh, and I like what you said, is that there are job services that cater to different ethnicities and different racial groups. Because he was saying, um, you have to make sure when you write a job ad, you have to have a diverse group of people look at that job ad for very simple reason that language can be seen to be exclusive. And if you have 
uh, people of different backgrounds look at that language and say, hey, that's kind of a not a good word to use there. But you're taking it to the next step, not just the yes. language, but the portals by which you seek um, uh, people exactly. as well. He had one other interesting point where he said, if a um, and Bill was it was black, and he said, if you if you have you're hoping to hire, let's just say, more black uh, uh, analysts, and an, a, a young black man walks into the room, a young black woman walks into the room, and all of the interviewers who have the very best intentions in the world are very committed to a, a diverse workforce are all white and old. That person's going to walk in and immediately feel they're in the wrong workplace. And so that was a pointer he gave about how he had to spend 20 years at City Clearwater to build a diverse workforce. Um, and and you've see, you've taken that kind of kind of to the to the next level, which is not just diversity of language and intentionality, but using those channels. That, and so meeting the people where they are, not not exactly. vice versa. Mm-hmm. And are those programs you're putting in place at the city of Fort Lauderdale? Um, of course, we're always is it working? looking. Is it working? I be- I believe is is working. Like we're we're still. And so one of the, another thing that I do is I do ethics training to our uh, our new employees during orientation. We're having or we're having multiple orientations. Like it's we we just had a large group of of new paramedics and firefighters. We recruiting hasn't stopped here at the city of Fort Lauderdale. We're still recruiting uh, um, people at at a really good rate. And and we're not just recruiting them. We're training them once when they're hired. Right. They get them in the values. (laughs) Yes. On those values, on ethics so so that they don't make mistakes in the future. How many hours a week do you work? I know, right? Oh, I work a lot. <laughs> I was going to say, I do the training. I do the workforce training. I do the executive leadership training. We do the values training. I bring the hiring, firing. And they bring complaints to me. I can manage those complaints. I do all the HR work. <laughs> How many of you are there? <laughs> Listen, I manage a very, very small division. Right now, it's just me and my assistant. Um, and I work under the city manager. So that's, that's that, that's right now our team, city manager, me as program manager and my assistant. And somehow we're getting it done. Now in the future, will we look into, you know, probably expanding professional standards, maybe, but right now I'm just super passionate about what I'm doing here at the city and making a difference. And, And it's really driving me to do the work. And your and your enthusiasm is so contagious. I, I, my, oh, my face you. is hurting because I've been smiling the whole time watching you. I might like <laughs> literally my cheeks are like, OK, I'm going to take a break. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I told you it would only be about a half hour to 40 minutes and we're coming on minute 50. So I'm a liar. <laughs> uh, I have clearly no integrity and no compassion for your time. <laughs> um, two things I want to ask you in closing. What do you love most about your job? Ooh, I love like helping people with that, their problem. So, so last last week, someone came to me was, and it was like, "Listen, Janetta, something's going on, and I don't think it's right." And I said, "What's going on?" And they said, "It's with another employee. Can you please help them?" And so I gave them my business card. I said, "Have that employee give me a phone call." Employee gave me a phone call. I looked into it. I, again, I have those resources. I was able to go to my contacts in HR. I was able to go to his department and ask questions. And I can tell you, 
I called that employee back in two hours and he was okay. We found a solution in two hours. And so um, between knocking on doors and doing all this stuff, you're also helping employees internally. Exactly. And that's why I do it. That is why I do it to to help and and to make an impact here at the city. And I love it. That is really cool. Now, my <laughs> last question I ask everybody is, tell us something cool about Fort Lauderdale we may not know. Ooh, so Fort Lauderdale, I don't know. There's, there's a lot of lot of cool stuff. Um, the, the neighborhoods, we really, each neighborhood has its own culture and character. We're all together as a city, but each place has its own thing. You know, like Harborville, there's like this water, there's shopping areas, everything, you know, Las Olas, there's, there's, you know, there, there's so many different little neighborhoods and each one is special. And I think when, when our tourists come here, they're focused on beach, Las Olas, but don't forget those little you know, neighborhoods that have something special, like, you know, a, a neighborhood may, may be known for its boating, uh, or a, a neighborhood may be known for its fishing, uh, or or whatnot, but but check into all those different, there's a lot. <laughs> I, heard a, I heard a statistic, um, Dr. Jennifer Hirado, who I totally adore, she works for the county, she's like the climate change uh, specialist, mm-hmm. she said there's, you know, Venice, Italy has 37 miles of navigable canals. Fort Lauderdale has 1,200 miles of navigable canals. That's nuts. Listen, Fort Lauderdale is absolutely beautiful. I can't tell you the amount of restaurants that I have gone to and it's been by the water. Like, you know, we, me, me and my friends, we we make a, we, we make it our duty to find a restaurant that's by the water and we sit by the water and enjoy seafood, fresh seafood. So city of Fort Lauderdale is just such a beautiful place. It's calming, it's peaceful, and we're also resilient. <laughs> yeah, well, you are resilient because you're, you're deal with, you deal, you're, you're ground zero for, for sea level rises. No two ways about it. Yes. The fact, I love the fact that on the New River, um, the jail used to be located right on what is now prime real estate because they did a bit of in the air, and and obviously they could dump the the effluent out into the river back back in the day. Yeah, we don't do that anymore, thankfully. Um, but uh, you think about history; it's like we put the jail right on the river, you know. But now it's more- I love that history, I, and I, I gotta say one more, one more, one more thing. Nope, sorry. Okay. One more thing, one more thing. The city of Fort Lauderdale was just recognized as a 2023 All-America City Hall of Fame Award winner. And we did that because of our work we've done. And you said history in the city's oldest African-American neighborhood. And that's like Sistrunk. And so that that area has been brought back to life. Nice. And it's vibrant and it's moved businesses and everything. And this year we focused um our you know the application and the award on the um LA Lee Mizell YMCA uh, community center. This community center was a collaborative project between our CRA, um, the YMCA and community partners. Um, and they worked. Um, for a while to get this project up and running. Inside, and I can tell you something too, the employees at this YMCC um, center represent the neighborhood in which they live. 
they the most diverse em, employees um and you know and and you know they're they're paid equitably and then on top of that there's different businesses there's there's health you can go and get your blood pressure checked at this community center the city of fort lauderdale is thriving that's wonderful and you're you're a great leader for the city <laughs> Uh, Jeanette Maxina, the program manager, uh, all things in the city of Fort Lauderdale. Thank you so much for being on. I really enjoyed it. Thank you, Steve. Fantastic. (laughs) Folks, this is Steve Van Cor, and this is the FCCMA podcast, a service produced by and for the Florida City and County Management Association. If you have a question you would like to submit or future guest you'd like to recommend, please send me an email at svancor at vancorjones.com. Thank you so much for being with us.